This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that shines a light on the ups and downs of everyday history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're looking at the day when America's number one band leader went missing in action. The day was December 15th, 1944. American band leader Glenn Miller went missing while flying over the English Channel aboard a military aircraft bound for France. Miller had made a name for himself during the tail end of the big band swing era, but when the U.S. entered the Second World War, he set aside his commercial career to serve as the leader of the U.S. Army Air Force Band. It was this role that had brought him to an airfield outside of London in mid-December. The plan was for Miller to fly to France, make arrangements for the rest of his band to follow, and then perform live for the Allied troops who had recently liberated Paris. Tragically, the small, single-engine plane never arrived at its destination. It's believed that bad weather brought the plane down somewhere over the English Channel, but the exact cause of the fatal crash remains a mystery. Alton Glenn Miller was born in Iowa on March 4, 1904. His family moved to Grant City, Missouri in 1915, and around that time, Miller began milking cows to earn money. He eventually earned enough to buy his first trombone, which he played in the town orchestra. His family moved again in 1918, this time settling in Fort Morgan, Colorado, where he would spend the rest of his childhood. After high school, he briefly attended college in Boulder, but dropped out to pursue a career in music full-time. Miller got his start arranging and composing music for other popular bands, but it's as the leader of his own band that Miller really flourished. He and his orchestra performed at ballrooms and hotels across the country, and eventually made a fortune in record sales. Miller's innovative style led to a string of hits from 1938 to 1942, including Tuxedo Junction, Chattanooga Choo Choo, and of course, his iconic take on In the Mood. didn't write any of those songs himself, though his unique arrangements did become the most popular versions. Also, you're probably familiar with at least one song he penned himself, 1939's Moonlight Serenade. Within a span of four short years, the Glenn Miller Orchestra racked up 16 number one hits and 69 top 10 hits. That's more than Elvis Presley or the Beatles managed in their entire careers. At the height of this success, the United States officially entered World War II. Miller quickly volunteered his talents for the war effort. 
He directed his orchestra for a final concert on September 27, 1942, and joined the Army Air Forces soon after. Miller told his superiors that he wanted to lead a, quote, modernized army band to help boost morale both abroad and at home. At first, this mission took the form of a weekly radio program called I Sustain the Wings. The show featured Miller and his band performing live and was broadcast out of New York City. After two years on the job, Miller's show had grown so successful that he was sent overseas to perform for troops in person. He and his greatly expanded 50-piece band left for England in the summer of 1944. They gave over 800 performances in England alone, but the tour took them pretty much anywhere Allied troops were stationed. By mid-December, they had been touring for six months, and though no one knew it at the time, they had already played their last show together. On December 15th, Glenn Miller, now an Army Major, arrived at Twinwood Airfield in Bedford, about 60 miles north of London. It was a foggy afternoon, which raised concerns about visibility, but it was eventually decided that the short flight to France would proceed as scheduled. Shortly before 2 p.m., Miller boarded a small Norseman plane along with two other U.S. military officers, the flight organizer, Lieutenant Colonel Norman Basil, and the pilot, John Morgan. According to Miller's assistant, who was present that day, the band leader noted that there were no parachutes on the aircraft. When he stepped aboard, he spoke his last recorded words. Norm, where are the parachutes? Basil's reply, though intended as a joke, was chilling. He said, What's the matter, Miller? Do you want to live forever? Nine days later, on Christmas Eve, BBC and CBS finally broke the news that the plane and its crew were missing. The wreckage of the plane was never found, nor were the bodies of its passengers, leaving little evidence of what actually caused the crash. Of course, there's been no shortage of theories regarding the truth of Glenn Miller's disappearance. One popular idea, though eventually debunked, was that the plane had been struck by friendly fire. Another suggestion was that Miller was actually a spy who had given his life on a daring secret mission to end the war. More dubious theories include the idea that Miller faked his own death and then moved to Argentina to start a new life away from his wife and two children. Things only get more absurd from there, with uh, some people proposing that Miller was killed by mobsters, and others saying that his plane flew into some kind of black hole, similar to the Bermuda Triangle. In recent years, new discoveries have provided fresh and more plausible leads to follow. For example, a researcher named Dennis Sprague believes the plane crashed because its fuel intakes had frozen. In his work as a senior consultant to the Glenn Miller Archive at the University of Colorado, Sprague developed his theory based on military documents that had been overlooked for decades. Using an entry in an aircraft spotter's log, Sprague was able to determine that the plane was flying low at the time of its last sighting presumably due to poor visibility from the fog. 
Sprague believes that the plane's close proximity to the water below caused its fuel lines to freeze, which in turn stopped the engine. Without power, the plane would have plunged into the water within eight seconds, killing everyone on board almost instantly. It may not be as flashy an explanation as a double life or a portal to another universe, but it's likely much closer to what actually happened. Glenn Miller's death at age 40 was an untimely and tragic accident, but his music and his legacy of service live on. Today, live music remains an important feature of military life. Most branches have their own marching bands and orchestras, as well as countless groups that specialize in jazz, rock, or country. And of course, the USO, which was created just one year before Miller enlisted, continues to bring live entertainment to service members around the globe. That culture of music within the modern American military can be traced directly back to Glenn Miller's Army Air Force Band. He may not have been crowned the King of Swing like Benny Goodman, but his mark on music history has been every bit as lasting. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed the show, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. You can also write to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. We'd especially like to hear from anyone who's passed through a portal over the English Channel. Did you experience any side effects? And if so, were they worth it? Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.